Howdy. This is the Views from the Shot podcast. I'm your host, your one and only host, Tim Miller. And today, it is Sunday, January 28th, 2024. And I wish you a very, very, very happy Thank a Plugin Developer Day. Today's show is, as always, presented by Big Banter Sports, and it is raining as I record this podcast, and it could be for one of two reasons. One, because Northwestern made it rain on Ohio State on Saturday night, or two, because just in general, we are sad and dreary as an Ohio State basketball fan base. Today... There's not really any point at all in diving into how Ohio State played against Northwestern and giving any kind of a game recap. I will touch on a few thoughts on this one, and then I will get into some thoughts and some questions from you, the fans. Now, before we get going here, I'll address it right now. The fan base is in shambles, and rightfully so. Ohio State just lost to Northwestern 83-58. to The Buckeyes have now gone nearly 13 calendar months without winning a Big Ten road basketball game, and it doesn't really matter who Ohio State plays. You lose a game 83-58, to and there's now been multiple instances in which Ohio State has gotten blown out in Big Ten play in the past two years. This is it. This is officially rock bottom for the Ohio State University men's basketball program. I thought it was going to be last season when Ohio State lost to Purdue. And a very similar score. They lost to Purdue 82-55. to This one was 83-58. to A very, very similar margin of victory in that one. I thought that would be rock bottom. But at this point, I'm not sure that it can get any worse for Ohio State basketball. But we will all collectively knock on wood and hope that it can't get any worse. And again, Twitter is in shambles. I was getting attacked left and right. It's very clear, by the way, if you listen to this show or if you don't. Because here's the thing. My role here on this podcast is not to be fanatical. I'm not just a fan of Ohio State basketball. I want to be a reliable source of Ohio State basketball information and intel while also being able to give measured, thoughtful takes about this program. And for me, it just provides no value to go in day in and day out and just opine Ohio State basketball. It it provides no value when 99% of the fan base is very clearly and blatantly upset with Ohio State basketball. And I'm right there with you. But what good does it do for me to go on every single show for a recap episode and then a preview episode 
and say, boy, doesn't this team suck? It's true. This team sucks right now. But for me to go out there and chase the clicks and chase the likes, I'm just not going to be like that. And that's okay. That may mean that this show isn't for you. I got flamed on Twitter after Ohio State lost, and that is fine. We live in the United States of America, land of the free, home of the brave. We can differ on our opinions, and that's okay. I'm not going to traffic in continuing to tear down the players and Chris Holtman because, first of all, I morally don't think it's the right thing to do because these guys are doing what they can out there. Even if what they can out do out there right now is horrible, because it is. I don't think it's right to just go tear down a bunch of humans who are just like you and I and want to see Ohio State be successful and win. So I see no value in that, and it's also so easy to do. Anyone with $250 could go buy an okay mic, get some podcast recording software, and just go to town ramming and railing on Ohio State basketball. It's easy to do. My philosophy is be analytical, be thoughtful. And that's my goal for every single episode, including this one. So here's how we're going to structure this. I had to get that out of the way first because I've got people saying that all I do is praise Chris Holtman. If you listen to the show, you know that that's not true. I don't just praise Chris Holtman. I've been pretty critical of him. And the other thing, by the way, it's not really your job or my job to... Uh, You know what? It may be your job. You're you're well within your right to feel how you would like. For me personally, look, I feel like I know the game of basketball pretty well. But if you're going to talk about how bad this program is and why Chris Holtman needs to be fired, can you at least explain to me what an elevator screen is or a zipper cut? If you can do that, then cool. You can be in the conversation. But if you simply don't know the X's and O's, and I'm not going to act like I know the X's and O's better than the coaching staff or better than anyone else. Most commentators don't know the X's and O's. If you ask them to get super analytical, some of them can. Robbie Hummel, he can. He played at Purdue for four years or however long he was there and dislocated his finger against Ohio State. It's most commentators, it's not their job to get into the X's and O's. I'm not expert enough there to dive in and get deep. And sorry, friends, you're probably not either. However, that doesn't mean that your take on Ohio State basketball right now being in a horrible spot isn't true. So we need to get that out of the way as well. Here's what we're going to do for today's show. I'm not going to go in and recap the game. I might throw in some stats here and there, but there's no point in that. I'm going to give my takeaways on this game, and then I'm going to go into thoughts, questions, comments from you on Twitter. The ones who are actually you know, thoughtful with their questions and thoughts. And by the way, you know, I'm not, I didn't get permission to shout this person out, so I'm not going to. I had someone who who hopped into the DMs earlier, earlier this, uh, after the game, I'll say. They hopped in my DMs, and let me read the message. I won't say who it was just because I, I didn't ask for their permission. But they said, hey, I appreciate all that you do, even if I disagree with you at certain times. Can we all just work on being a little bit more like that? What good does it do you to be negative? What good does it do for you to fight and yell and scream at other people within the Buckeye fan base or elsewhere? It just, look at the world. Look at the landscape of life with social media 
and with everything going on, current events, strains, tension everywhere. Life's tough, man. Be kind. Just try to be kind. And I appreciate you. If you're listening to this show, I'm not naming you. If you listen to this episode, thank you. I appreciate that. And by the way, speaking of Twitter, if you haven't followed, I just went right into it today. If you haven't followed on Twitter, if you haven't followed on Instagram, if you haven't followed this podcast and subscribed, would appreciate it. The numbers are always appreciated. You certainly don't have to. But even if you disagree, just gives you some Buckeye basketball content because there's not as much as there should be out there. So I wanted to get that out of the way as well. Oh, oh boy. Even as I scroll through Twitter right now, the, the notifications are not where I would like them to be. Okay, okay. Let's go. Let's do this. So some takeaways on this one, and there's really no rhyme or reason for this. There's no order, but I guess we'll just get into it here, okay? So we already knew that Northwestern was going to be a tough place to play. I called this a trap game regardless because Northwestern's coming off an emotional win. They've got a look-ahead spot with Purdue. They they win an overtime game. They're exhausted against Illinois, and this was not a trap game. Wrong about that. I didn't like the matchup. I predicted Ohio State would lose in this one. I didn't really give it much thought. Based on how Northwestern plays and based on Ohio State that's been playing, felt like pretty easy. Pretty pretty easy decision there to take Ohio State to lose this one. But in terms of how Northwestern won this game, and it, it was not difficult, and I think a lot of people noticed this, which I can appreciate, and it's that Northwestern offensively and the way Ohio State tried to match up with Northwestern defensively was never, ever, ever going to work. Northwestern, how do they win basketball games? If you listen to the preview episode class, how does Northwestern like to play basketball in general, offensively? They like to move the basketball. Top five in assist rate. Top five in assist to turnover ratio. In all of the NCAA. So they're going to move around. They're going to use a lot of off-ball movement. And they're going to find their way to good shots and getting open looks. And, well, that's exactly what they did in this one. They started the game shooting, I believe, 5 of 9 from 3. They finished the game shooting 10 of 19 from 3. 58% from 3. 58% is what Ohio State gave up. For some reason, Ohio State was very, very keen to protect the paint. And when you have that, along with a Northwestern team that's very good at shooting the three, they were more concerned about the drive. And rather than sticking in gaps, Ohio State off-ball defenders were much more concerned about helping defensively and helping on the drive. Except for the drive was never needed because three-pointers came at a premium for Northwestern. Except for the fact that every single look was wide open from them. And Ohio State being far too aggressive defensively with the help. Not only that, not only Northwestern not even faking like they would take the paint. They just wanted the threes. And they got them. So they start the game four of eight. And they continued to crush Ohio State crush Ohio State from deep and that's how you go up and score over 80 points in a Big Ten game when 
by the way, Ohio State and Northwestern, both very slow-paced teams. 58%, sorry, the 58% was from the field. They shot 58% from the field, did Northwestern. 53% from the three-point line, 13 of 17 from the free-throw line. They're plus five on the glass, 16 assists in this one from Northwestern in this one. So the, the defensive game plan put together by the coaching staff, which, by the way, Fans on Twitter say I won't criticize a coaching staff, so I don't know. I guess they put on their earmuffs for the for these types of conversations. The defensive game plan in this one was disgusting, in my opinion. I'm not the X's and O's guy, but I feel like I can see that. Now, offensively, let's go to Ohio State's offensive game plan. Oh, holy heavens. Heavens to Murgatroyd. Um, the spacing from Ohio State basketball has been horrible in the past few games. And if you're going to have a player like Bone Harbin, who scores 11 points in seven minutes, and then you stick him in there in the first half, and the first time he gets up a shot, he makes a three. If he's going to be in there, Northwestern, the way they guarded Bowen Harbin, who is at the bottom of the scouting report this entire season for every single Ohio State opponent, until this one. Northwestern was prepared for Bowen Hardman. Not that he got all that playing all that much playing time regardless but if he's going to be in there and northwestern is going to stick to him stick him in the freaking corner and let someone stick to him and at least you have some semblance of spacing but the spacing was horrible they go 5 of 21 from the three-point line that's 24 percent they go 14 of 41 from the field goal field field goal overall whatever 34 percent ohio state made 14 field goals not in a half in an entire game, Ohio State made 14 field goals. 25 of their points came from free throws. If the very kind officials in this one wouldn't have been so whistle happy, does Ohio State score 40 points in this one? Or is this the Michigan State game from last season in the shot, which was very embarrassing as well for Ohio State? So the spacing for the Buckeyes was horrible. In the second half, they actually did get some open looks. You can't blame the coaching staff when your team gets open looks and they just continue to miss. But that's what happened in the second half. Couldn't hit water if they fell out of a boat. The other thing with Ohio State, Northwestern was hedging the ball screens hard in the first half. They were content to take a defender away from a player off the ball from Ohio State because number one I believe they knew the Buckeyes were not good at spacing the floor and number two because they knew on a hard hedge on a ball screen the Buckeyes try to get the ball into the paint so they're not going to be looking to kick the ball out and guess what Ohio State multiple times had wide open players sitting in the corner on the weak side can I get a fade screen please can I get Jamison Battle sitting in the block. Evan Mahavey at the three-point line. Mahavey, get your butt into the block. Set a little fade screen. Let Jamison Battle backpedal into a three and splash it. Or don't. That's my opinion on maybe an adjustment I would have liked to see from Ohio State. So that was horrible. The amount of times they tried to dump the ball into the paint when it looked like Felix Akpara or or Evan Mahavey was wide open in the paint and it turns out Well, Northwestern can move defensively, and they bat the ball away, or they steal it, whatever. Just very, very unimpressive. Another thing I'll say about Bowen Hardman, and and people are tweeting or Xing. Again, that feels inappropriate, so I apologize. 
but you see people really, really wanting to see Bowen Hardman get some additional minutes in this one. Sure, if he does, that's fine. But Bowen Hardman, if you can produce offensively, you can take the load off of Roddy Gale, who is ice cold, continues to be ice cold for Ohio State. In 34 minutes, he had three turnovers. He had three assists. And he actually did have some scoring production in this one for the Buckeyes, putting up 15 points, four of eight from the field, but he's one of four from three. No one's really hitting for Ohio State from deep right now. Bruce Thornton was one of three. Jamison Battle was one of six. When you get that type of production from your top three three point shooters, it's going to be a bad time. Devin Royal, who of one from three. Scotty Middleton, one of two. Bowen Hardman, one of two. Dale Bonner continues to stay cold, 0 of two. Tayson Chapman, 0 of one. Got to find something. Might as well let Bowen Hardman get his shots up and maybe reduce Roddy Gale's minutes until he can figure it out. Because not only is he not producing offensively, but he's also turning the ball over at an insane rate for Ohio State. What other thoughts do I have on this one? Let's go here. You remember, do you remember when Ohio State, as a Buckeye fan, you would get excited to play Northwestern, Minnesota, Nebraska, Penn State? Well, so far this season... Ohio State has beaten Minnesota. They split to Penn State because they blew an 18-point lead. They just got demolished by Northwestern. And before that, they got, not demolished, but handled easily without much care by Nebraska. This is the state of Ohio State now. The program is now Penn State or Northwestern. What we came to know of those, those types of programs. That's where Ohio State is this season. It's not good. It's very bad. This is dire times for Ohio State basketball. Now let's talk about how these times are dire for Ohio State. Let's talk about the coaching staff, for example. I've got a lot of people saying Jake Diebler needs to step in for Ohio State. Chris Holtman needs to be fired. He shouldn't be even allowed to be brought back on the plane to Columbus. And you're well within your right to have that opinion. But they're saying that it should be Jake Diebler leading this team moving forward. And to that I say, have you seen the Ohio State offense recently, just in general? Have you watched them put up, I don't know, 58 points against Northwestern? And then I guess we can continue if you'd like. Did you see what they did against Nebraska the game before? And I've got a point here. You may be saying, what does this have to do with anything? I've got a point here. Against Nebraska, they scored 69 points. That's fine. You still lost by 14. Against Penn State, they win. They put up 79. They look pretty good in that one. Against Michigan, probably the worst team in the Big Ten, 65. 60 against Wisconsin. 65 against Indiana. The past six games, offensively, they've been bad. So, is is Jake Diebler the guy? I don't know. He's the essentially the offensive coordinator for Ohio State. If fans don't realize that, they need to know that. He is the offensive coordinator at Ohio State basketball. And you can say, well, this ties back to Chris Holtman. He's the team leader. He's the one who's controlling Ohio State's offense. Yeah, that's true. And you're not wrong about that. But Diebler is the one game planning offensively for Ohio State. He's not the answer. Let's talk about another coach on the coaching staff. Brandon Bailey was supposed to be brought in for this program to improve Ohio State defensively. Worked with the Celtics. On Brad Stevens' staff. And 
he was supposed to be the guy to help Ohio State off defensively because that's where they've struggled mightily in the past couple years. They are now analytically the worst team in the Big Ten defensively. He's not the answer either. I'm going to tell you right now, the answer is not on this current coaching staff. If you want Chris Holtman gone, it's not anyone sitting there on the coaching staff. It isn't. There's no way that you can argue that. Because offensively, defensively, there's been nothing there. Deebler's been a good recruiter for Ohio State. But outside of that, the past two years offensively, the Buckeyes haven't been good. So I'm not interested. So if you want Holtman gone, it's not going to happen this season, I don't think. Because again, I'm still of the opinion that Gene Smith wants to let Chris Holtman finish out this year. And he does not want to fire someone basically as his parting gift to the Ohio State University. Although I think the fan base would be thankful for that. But I don't think it's going to happen. I think that's the reason why. However, if the play continues to be this bad, all bets are off. So I don't think the answer is on this coaching staff. Is the season over? I think is another question we need to answer here. And that's I, I got some tweets about that as well after the game. Um, technically, no. The season is not over for Ohio State. Technically, no. But at this point... And I've tried to be positive, I've tried to be measured, and I've tried to be a slow reactor because I think that's what you should do because the season is long. But at this point, I'm not sure. As you look at this schedule for Ohio State, where there are games that can be won. When you go out and you have the performance that you do, I mean, you even look back to the end of December against West Virginia, you beat Rutgers by four, you almost implode in that one. You lose to Indiana, you can't hit a shot. You lose to Wisconsin, you lose to Michigan, one of the bottom two teams in the Big Ten. Yeah, you pick up a win over Penn State, one of the bottom two teams in the Big Ten. You lose to Nebraska, you lose to Northwestern. You've got Illinois coming in, who is a top 15 team in the nation, probably. You get them at home. You get Iowa, I don't know, playing better than Ohio State currently. You get Indiana again, that game at home. It's on a Tuesday night. Maryland. Wisconsin again, Purdue, Minnesota, Michigan State, Nebraska, Michigan, Rutgers, Big Ten Tournament. How many games on this schedule do you see Ohio State winning? They're at 13 wins right now. If they want a shot, if, if you want a fighter's chance of making it to the NCAA Tournament, which Ohio State cannot miss for two seasons in a row, you need to win six more games this season before you get to the Big Ten Tournament. You need six more wins. you got to get to 19, and if you can get to 20, 21, you've you've definitely got a shot at that point, I think, because you're getting these wins in the Big Ten. And 22, I think you're probably in if you're Ohio State. Probably pretty easily. Can we find six more wins? Illinois at home? I don't know. Iowa on the road? Not really any reason to believe Ohio State can win a game in the Big Ten on the road. Let's say they pick up a win against Indiana at home. And then let's say they get a little bit more momentum. They get a win against Maryland at home. That's two, back-to-back. Back. Then you got Wisconsin and you got Purdue. Let's say by some miracle, they upset Purdue. That's three wins. They do it at home. It's a Sunday afternoon. Should be a crazy environment. Let's say the Buckeyes get the juice for that one. Then they get Minnesota. Let's say that's a win. That's four. Then you got Michigan State and you've got Nebraska. I'm not sure that they can be they can beat either of those teams. Technically they can. I'm not sure they do. But let's say definite no against Michigan State. You've got four wins now and you've got Nebraska, Michigan and Rutgers to close it out. You should be able to beat Rutgers, that should be 5. And then Michigan or Nebraska, you can get to 6. 
I think. But that is, again, with a win over Purdue, which would be huge for Ohio State's resume. That would be huge, even though it comes at home, whatever. You're getting dangerously close to not really having a shot at making the NCAA tournament, and it is the end of January. The Buckeyes have one more game in January. On Tuesday, that game's on January 30th. So, is the season over for Ohio State? Can we count them out? No, not yet. Realistically, though, if they lose, we we expect them to lose to Illinois. If they can't beat Iowa or Indiana or Maryland during that three-game stretch, if they can't pick up two wins there, yeah, you can count them out. Stick a fork in them. They're done. So I think those are the major takeaways I have from this game. We've got a lot of people tweeting at me, okay? And I'm going to go through these thoughts uh, the best way that I can. I've got nine replies on this tweet. There's no way that I'm going to get to to all of these. But let's go... Oh gosh, where do, where do you where do I even go? Where do I even begin? And, and let okay, let's start here. At Zippy Fish, Kevin got a question. He says, "I I have questions. Has any men's basketball head coach been fired and walked away with fourteen million dollars? What would be your top five realistic names for for the next head coach?" Um, I don't know the answer to your first question. I would assume that it has probably happened. Who would be your top five realistic names? I, I don't. I I really don't want to get into that. But I think you've got to look at Buzz Williams and what he's done with Texas A and M. The fact that Ross Bjork obviously comes from Texas A and M. I think that's a name that you've got to keep an eye on. And the fact that I'm getting here talking about head coaching candidates, you you have worked me. You have worked me, loyal listeners of the show, to get me there. I think Buzz Williams is a name. I think as you look at what Northwestern has done in the past couple of seasons, I mean, it could be tough, I would say, because you're going within the conference, but can you grab Chris Collins? I wouldn't be opposed to it. That's a name I would look at. I'm not really interested in Rick Pitino. I don't think that's the right direction to move in for Ohio State. I not Not just for the baggage, but with the age as well. I don't have interest in that. There's been people talking about him. But my those would be kind of my, my top two choices right now. It would be Chris Collins and Buzz Williams. We'll see what happens. At Dizzy underscore Spizzy, also known as Derek, probably. He says, should, uh, how do I phrase this in a way that makes sense? Well, I'll just read it out loud. Should ask what people think our record should be, LOL. It's not like we have mega talent on our roster. This is the worst stretch of talent we've had in the last 20 years easily. I don't know why they shouldn't be 3-6 and six in the conference. Well, let's talk about that for a second. Derek, I, I think we need to realize the, the talent that Ohio State has brought in over the past couple of years. I won't even look at, at, at this current cycle. Let's look at what they brought in. 2023. This freshman class, ranked 8th in the nation. Jason Chapman, Devin Royal, Scotty Middleton, and Austin Parks. Three of those guys, top 60, top 50, top 75, wherever you want to place them. They ranked 12th, sorry, 8th composite by 247 Sports. You've got Kentucky, Duke, USC, 
UConn, Michigan State, Louisville, Iowa State, and then Ohio State in the top eight. They had a better recruiting class than Kansas, Baylor, UCLA, Alabama, Indiana, Tennessee, Kansas State, Marquette, Illinois, shall I continue? So no, they've got the talent from that recruiting class. Let's go to the year previous. This year's sophomore class, where were they ranked? Eighth again. Ahead of Tennessee, Indiana, Illinois, Michigan, UCLA, North Carolina, Syracuse, and many others. You bring in the talent that you've got, including Bryce Sensenball, of course, who's no longer there, which I get. That's fine. But you've got the talent. Two top 10 rosters in a row. Go back a year before, shall we? And Ohio State, they're ranked 49th. That's fine. But they've only got two commits in the class. And it is Malachi Branham who went to the NBA. You've also got Kalen Etzler, Jamari Wheeler, Joey Brunk coming in as transfers. That didn't count for, for those particular rankings. But that's the past three years for the Buckeyes. So I, I can't really agree that, that this roster doesn't have the talent that it needs. You look at the year prior to that, Gene Brown, he's gone. Michi Johnson, he's balling out for South Carolina, just complete volume shooter. Zed Key's still here. Um, No, Ohio State has a talent. This team should be much better than three wins in the Big Ten at the end of January. So I've got to disagree there. Absolutely should have more wins. At BuckeyeBob35, Bob Cody says, I'm a season ticket holder since the Eldon days. I've seen too many awful teams over these years. I like Chris Holtman, but what happened is not sustainable, barring a Hollywood movie miracle. I still go to most of the games and hope to see development from guys. I hope we're able to keep them around and give them seemingly inevitable change at the top. Here's the thing, and again, I'll say this, I'll say it over and over again. From what I hear from the program and talking with people within the program or just outside the program who are close to it, there is still buy-in from this team. The players still buy into Chris Holtman. The players still enjoy being with one another. Last year, there was a leadership issue. Justice suing, Ice likely, that senior class did not step up as leaders. Bruce Thornton had to be named captain in the middle of the season as a freshman. That's not an issue this season. So the team still buys into Chris Holtman. As of last, I've heard. I don't know if that's still true and... Frankly, it probably doesn't matter at this point because, yeah, this this is this is embarrassing. It's embarrassing. Um, I got uh, at manifesting six one four asking me if I'm gonna cry when Chris Holtman is fired. Uh, yes, I will. At manifesting six one four. Thank you for the tweets and uh, your your extremely negative timeline is is sad for all of us to see. Okay, other uh, other thoughts from this one. Let's go here. I'm sorry for the pause there. I know dead air is always bad. Um, without going into details, our portal additions have not really helped us avoid the January slide. Dale Bonner, man, it's been really, really disappointing to see his play. And defensively, he, I think he started the year pretty well. And offensively, he, he, he didn't start the wheel, the, the wheel, the year with, with all that much success, but. He, he started to warm up there. He got hot hot after a while. Hasn't done anything for Ohio State offensively and defensively. It's, it, it's, he's fine, I suppose. 
So yeah, the the portal additions, they've been well, are they've been what they are, and it's it's centered around this entire team. Just not been good enough. Didn't get a chance to see what Chris Holtman said in this one, but I'm gonna assume it was more coach speak. And regardless, it's true right now. If you're listening to this show for the first time or you've been a long-time listener, I appreciate it. Again, got flamed on Twitter, and that's fine. Appreciate the support if you have supported me. It's uh, it's brutal out there. The team feels it as well. It's just tough. And right now, it's it is the most rock-bottom Ohio State basketball has ever been in. It is the most rock bottom it has ever been in, and I'm not necessarily certain that it's going to get any better anytime soon. But if you're looking for me, if you're if you're anxious to see if I'm going to continue to support Chris Holtman in this Buckeye program, and as it currently sits, there's just there's not really any point in having the conversation until Gene Smith surprises us all and decides to get rid of Chris Holtman midseason. And if that happens, again, I wouldn't agree with the move because I don't think the solution is on this staff. Externally, sure, it's out there. But on this staff, I don't think so. So because of that, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not positive on Chris Holtman at this point. Very critical of how Ohio State played in this one and the game plan coming into this one. 100% critical about that. But Ohio State will continue to march on. They'll continue to trek on. And if you're a true Buckeye fan, hopefully you will support them through that, hoping that they win basketball games. So they've got a short couple of days of rest here before they go on, return to Columbus. They'll take on Illinois on Tuesday night. We'll be back with a game preview for that one. Appreciate you listening. Stay active on Twitter. Continue to like the tweets that are posting these episodes so more people can hear if they choose that they want to hear these, these episodes. But... Appreciate you listening. Appreciate the encouraging DMs more than you know. Hopefully this Buckeye basketball program gets it back together. But appreciate you listening today. I will shut up before you shut me off. Go Bucks.